Broadcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Ignite EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm honored to have you join us. As most of you know, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. Last week, I asked you about your plans for your upcoming break. Thank you for your thoughts and ideas. This week, I wanted to ask you about the well-being programs in your school. What initiatives are in place to support well-being? And in particular, I'm interested in digital wellness and citizenship programs to support students in the adult community. I'd love to hear from you. Please share with us via our Ignite EdTech social streams. I look forward to hearing your responses soon. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Maker's Empire. Maker's Empire is my eight-year-old daughter's ultimate app, in line with Roblox and Minecraft, of course. Maker's Empire is a 3D design tool, allowing students to create, download, and print original or community-based objects. The teacher dashboard is a hub of activity where teachers can create classes, add students, view and comment on students' designs, browse or build lessons, complete interactive tutorials, and so much more. Students can use a tablet, a mobile device, or a laptop or desktop computer to access the software, joining via a class code, a QR code, or a teacher import. Students need only a username and password to get started, and once they sign in, they can customize their avatar, complete challenges, and access the design modules. Designs can be as simple as modifying existing characters and working with shapes, or as complex as using blocks to build structures or even entire cities. Teachers looking for a solid approach to bringing the four C's creativity, communication, collaboration, and critical thinking into their classroom will be pleasantly surprised at how well Maker's Empire can help achieve this goal. Promote scientific inquiry by having students design and print a maze to predict and track insect behavior. Encourage mathematical design principles through the use of geometric shapes. Foster imagination by having students design the characters and worlds that they envision in books and stories that they've read or written. And breathe new life into ancient civilizations by letting students construct 3D models of architecture and artifacts. Promote student collaboration by designing a lesson around a problem and encourage students to innovate by creating or improving upon a design. Engage hard-to-reach students by providing hands-on opportunities to learn concepts and promote formative feedback by having students document their progress via screen recordings or a video response tool. The vast searchable library of designs allows students to view and comment on designs shared by others in their class, school, or online community. Whether students are working independently or in groups to solve a problem or just creating something new, they're being creative and bringing abstract ideas into this concrete realm. 
I love Maker's Empire and have used it in my schools for years. It's easy to use, easy to integrate and supports all learners. I highly recommend that you take a look at the link in the description below. Maker'sEmpire.com Last week we talked about your upcoming break. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, I wanted to talk about well-being and digital well-being in your school. Digital well-being, or digital citizenship for many, is now a critical topic for integration in all levels of school, including supporting teachers and parents in the current and future states of technology and its uses. As I think about digital well-being, the ultimate library of tools, tips and ideas is common sense media. If you haven't seen it before, check it out. I put the link in the podcast notes below. Digital well-being is a new way of looking and integrating digital citizenship. As we know, learning is where the work is, and we need to be better at integrating messages around digital use to all stakeholders in our schools. Both parents and educators must take the lead and learn how to manage screen time and raise awareness of both the positive and the negative impact of technology use. Together, we need to create a balance between using devices in the classroom and engaging in offline activities. Schools can take charge and teach their students how to build better habits, whether it's by teaching internet etiquette or encouraging parents to set boundaries. As adults, we have two major assumptions. First, we assume that as digital natives, students just get everything instantly, so there's no need to teach them about how to use technology. Secondly, technology comes in many forms and we tend to lump it all together when we talk about it. In reality, the quality of the tools and devices matter. Using an educational app for one hour a day is far more valuable than something that offers just entertainment. Technology might make students more productive if we used it for homework. It can also be addictive though, because it was created that way, so there has to be a limit. Digital well-being is about learning how to spend quality and not quantity of time. The end goal is a healthier relationship with technology that will serve you and your learners for a lifetime, not just during classroom hours. What are you doing in your schools to share this message and walk the walk and not just talk the talk? I'd love to hear from you and hear more about your school's digital well-being program. Please reach out with your ideas and thoughts. Every week I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with April Remfrey. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with April Remfrey, who you may know is at Remfrey April on Twitter. April is based in Switzerland, is an experienced international educator and consultant that helps schools on their inclusion journey. April is passionate about helping neurodiverse individuals with disabilities and now works with schools all over the world to build inclusive capacities into their practice. April is a creator on eduspark.world and her work is popular with schools all over the world. April, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Craig. Awesome. Absolutely. Let's go. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? Thank you for the question. I will tell you about half of my life right now. I will get into the other half of my life in a little bit. Um, But half of my life, I work with um, families 
and schools that are globally mobile, international uh, environments. I help families find the right place for their child that's neurodiverse or has a disability. And then on the other hand, I work with schools to help them up their inclusion game through training and coaching. It's amazing. And the work that you do, I've seen firsthand uh, how inspirational it is and, and how engaging your work is with schools. And it's a real pleasure to be able to amplify that work out um, to the schools within the networks that we have. Tell us a little bit about your work with schools and their neurodiverse learners. Why do schools bring you in and how do you help? Sure. There's a few different reasons schools might bring me in. Um, one I'm working with right now has come to the realization, as many international schools have, that there's just a not enough training for teaching assistants out there. Um, we have so much PD allocated to teachers, admin, and all of that, but our, our teaching assistants just get left on the side. And to be honest, in, in the neurodiverse space, in the learning support space, these are the most untrained people in the school working with the children that have the highest needs. The equation simply does not add up. These are the people that are, these schools are realizing if we're going to get the most bang for our buck, if we're going to take those people that are just just a little bit below the line and pop them up over the line, it's our teaching assistants. So those are the people I work with right now. Um, and the reason that's that's come up for me, it's been so present in my mind, is my very first teaching job, I had 12 students and 12 teaching assistants. And those teaching assistants had the biggest hearts of anybody I'd ever met but not a single one had experience with the neurodiverse kids. And so it was my job as a 22-year-old, just out of undergrad, to try to train 12 adults who are probably about the age I am now and help work with the students at the same time. So in essence, I had, 12 stu or I had 24 students, right? It was clear to me that teaching assistants are really the backbone of our schools. And if we're leaving them outside of the training bubble, we're really missing we're missing out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've summed it up extremely well there. And you know, one of the things that I love about your work is that it's so diverse and that you support so many groups and individuals and schools in different contexts. Because you know, you and I both know, and many of our listeners know, that when you work in the international landscape outside of a specific country, that you know, we all work within similar spaces. But our contexts are very different. And one of the, the associations you do a lot of work with is Senior. Tell us a little bit about this and, and what Senior is all about. Yeah, Senia is an acronym for Special Education Network and Inclusion Association. It was started over 20 years ago in, in China when schools were even more so um, isolated and operating on islands. It's getting a bit better, right? But especially in the learning support world, we're very isolated in our roles. We're a very small number of people in a school. Many people that are working in the gen ed setting don't have any experience with learning support. So it creates this environment of, of continually being stuck with your own group of people inside your school and it becomes really insular and you lose track of what's going on in the rest of the world and the progress is, that's being made. So the goal of Senia is to build those networks of learning support teachers and teaching assistants and spread the word of learning support and spread the word that schools can be easily more inclusive. And we have every year, we have an online conference in December. And this last 
well, two years ago, we went online for obvious reasons. And we had about 850 people join our conference. And then last year in December, just four months ago, we had 2,300 people on that conference because people were so desperate for that type of of support that type of PD. And it was a a conference where the videos were available for four months. So you could take in that 72 hours of conference material in short bursts, which is really the key to being able to digest. I love in-person conferences. Don't get me wrong. I love the networking part of it, but uh, I was in one in Brussels uh, before before the world changed about three years ago. And I remember having to go back to my hotel room at about three o'clock in the afternoon and close the blinds and just lay down in bed because I was so overwhelmed with all the information intake, which felt great, but it's overwhelming. Being able to have online conferences, I think is, and and you know this, I'm preaching at the choir, the choir here, is that it's, it's the wave of the future. It's going to stay with us regardless of what happens um, in terms of COVID. It's just how we are going to be able to take information in better and really digest and do something with it instead of saying, yeah, I went to a conference, I checked the box. You know, the, it's the pro- purpose. So Senia is is spreading out around the world. I'm uh, on the international board, and I'm also um, the head of the the board here in Europe. And we're we're starting to build up country chapters because, like you were saying, in the international school world, we are all international schools, but our context is very different if we're talking about a school in Brussels versus a school in Bangkok. So the idea is to bring people together locally and regionally as well as globally. Yeah, you've done a really good job, April, of sharing the the work that Senia does. And you know, on a larger scale, there's a lot more that they could be doing as well with schools, I think, that haven't really found out firsthand the work that should be happening or should be supporting in TAs and, and the work that teaching assistants are doing and the professional learning that they need. And that ties really nicely into the course you have on eduspark.world, which is titled Inclusive Teaching Assistant Training. Tell us a little bit about this and why listeners should jump on and learn with you here. Yeah, thank you. Um, I should also say that Senia has a uh, certification course for teachers that they're running right now. So this links quite well with what I'm doing with the teaching assistants. Every school has teaching assistants, right? And I'm speaking specifically to those that are working with students in learning support. However, the biggest problem I find in schools, other than not having uh, enough training, is that teaching assistants are very fluid and we move them around very quickly based on someone's gone here, we need to pop someone in there, or you need to jump into this classroom for this little bit. They're the most flexible people in the school, I really find. And because of that, we need to make sure that more than just the teaching assistants that work in the learning support department are trained in neurodiversities and how to work with students that fall outside of that general education bubble. Because they're going to be thrown into those situations. And we need to make sure that everyone has this general base of knowledge, just like we need our teachers to. We need our teaching assistants to have that same general basis of knowledge. What I do in that class is I start out with some history of where inclusion has come from throughout the years. Then we move on to talking about some of the most basic diagnoses that you will see in a school. So we're ensuring that everybody's on the same 
playing field and they have the same basis of, of knowledge. And one of the things I see in, in schools in general, and it's not just assistants, I see it with teachers too. We hear the same words over and over and we, we may not be all on the same page with what those mean. And we may not know what they mean at all, but we're, we know we're supposed to know them. So we're afraid to ask, right? We don't want to be embarrassed and feel like I should have known what that word meant. And in the learning support world, the the language and the jargon changes so quickly. And it's my job to help people stay up with what that language is. And it's okay to ask and say, hey, I'm sorry, I don't know what that word is, but people are afraid to ask. So that's why I always make sure we start at a a basis level and and go from there. So beyond those those two um, foundational modules, we then talk about social skills, how to help students develop friendships, how to be present with a student, but also not Velcroed, the Velcro effect we want to try to get rid of, um, how to deal with difficult behaviors and so on. Yeah, amazing. And it's we talked just before we went live with this about the feedback that we're getting from schools about how exciting and engaging this is. And I can't wait for our listeners to jump in and explore as well and and really pass this on to the people in their buildings because it's proving to be extremely impactful and and sustainable within school so that learning can continue wherever or whenever people are on that journey. Now, April, you've talked about so much and, and what you've done and you've done incredible amount of stuff in your career, but what's next? What's your next big goal? What do you want to do or achieve that you haven't yet been able to do? Yeah. So that's, this is the second half of my world that I left out at the beginning. Um, I've joined forces with um, a group in Thailand um, that's called Steps Community. Um, I've joined up as their COO and our goal in the next year, three, four, five years is we're going to start building links from schools to businesses for our neurodiverse community and for those with intellectual disabilities. In the world in general, we have about a billion people with disabilities. And those people are tend to be employed at about a 25 to 30% rate. So you can imagine how demoralizing that is and and because we all need a purpose, right? So our goal is to work with schools to develop the skills of those individuals, especially in international schools. This is where we can really make an impact, I think, in international schools is start to include students of all abilities, and really turn out those global citizens that we so talk about all the time, is is building a school that represents everybody in our world and have those people with neurodiverse needs and, and intellectual debil- disabilities learning workplace training skills. But what we know is that when you send those people into the workplace, the workplace needs to be just as trained and ready to accept those individuals and we're seeing more and more that they're ready to. So what we're doing is we're training the workplace. We're training the businesses and the corporates to be ready to have the right jobs available, have a buddy system set up, have a job coaching set, system set up, and, and be that link between the school and the business. That's the next big step, and I'm so excited about it. It's been really hard to keep my mouth closed about it because it's so exciting. And and we often hear in international schools when someone applies, a family comes and applies, we'll take those two kids, but we won't take your third child, right? And we've got to do something about that. We have to fix that. And that starts with administrators being ready to see that we are ready to take the re- the next step and be more inclusive, but it goes all the way down to 
training our teaching assistants better, training our our general education teachers in co-teaching. So they are working with learning support teachers one directly in the classroom. But then again, we have to have those links. So that might look like setting up a coffee shop on your campus that's run solely by individuals that are neurodiverse. It may be um, doing some back office work that you have people that are doing some of the the, the work that can be parceled off from a, um, an administrator's job. So there's so many different options, but I think it's the way that we move forward in the future to make our, our international school world really sending out truly global citizens. Yeah, fantastic. Everything that you said there, April, really resonates well with me. And I know we've talked about a lot of this stuff before, and it really excites me, the work that you're going to be doing with STEPS. And you know, we've talked about the work that you're looking to do and engaging in as well. And, and it's much needed. Now is the time to make this change. And I, and I hope that some of our listeners engage with you in this space as well, um, because I'm excited about where you're going to be going with it. Let's jump into some quick fire questions. The first thing that comes to your head and a brief why. What is your hashtag one word for 2022? Yeah, it's it's neurodiversity. This is the, the word that we need to start using to refer to people that just have the differences in the brain. The, the brain is different in every single individual in the world. And we talk about neurotypical and neurodiverse. And I think it's the word that people need to start understanding and using in their normal vernacular instead and try to get away from the word disabilities. Because when we're using the disses, immediately it has a negative connotation. And um, it's the neurodiverse is the word the community wants us to be using. So we're referring to people that have ADHD or autism or mental health differences. And and so it it encompasses a very large group of people in our world. What is your favorite ed tech book or resource? You know, I I don't know if it's an ed tech book, but right now um, I've really been diving into Daniel Sobel's book about inclusion in the classroom and how to actually do it. You know, there's so much out there that's about theory, but as a teacher, um, I'm a doer and I want to know exactly what people are saying about how you can actually do that. So any book for me that is, you know, give me a chapter on theory, great, but I want the rest of the book to be practical and things that I can put into place the next day. What is your go-to edtech tool that you use that the listeners need to try? Um, Right now, I'm loving SendSpark. Um, it's a really tiny group um, that I can go on uh, because I didn't mention the tool that I have that's a, a way of monitoring student progress for learning support departments. That's also called STEPS, um, Strategic Tracking of Educational Progress. But what I can do is the schools that are using that, it overlays my video and audio on top of what I'm working on on the page. So someone has a question, I can very quickly make a 30-second video and send it off to them and they know exactly what to do. Amazing. Um, Make sure that all the links to the things you've talked about are in the podcast notes as well. What's one daily habit or practice that helps you enjoy, progress, and succeed in your career, April? Well, there's two things that I do that are very simple every day. I walk. And if I can't, you know, I live in Switzerland, and so it's not always so easy to walk outside. And so this last year, I got myself um, a, a treadmill that goes under my desk so I can raise my desk up and walk as I'm creating. And and I find that 
the movement makes me create a lot faster and it flows out because I have to write a lot. And so that, that extra movement of the legs helps, helps my brain work a little bit better. The second one for me is that I have to know that everything else in my life is well taken care of before I can be creative. So for me, that's, I love to plan. So creating menus for the week and meal planning, I I love it. And it's what, once I have that out on a Monday, I can uh, make sure the rest of my work flows. April, you've shared so much with us today. You've given us so many links and ideas to go away and think about. What is the best way for the listeners to follow and connect with you? Um, You can find me on LinkedIn, um, April J. Remfrey. I'd like you just to go to my website. It's remfreyeducationalconsulting.com. It starts you off on a a landing page there where you can choose if you're a parent or a school. Sometimes it's helpful to check out both sides of that if you're a a school um, to see what I offer parents. Um, It really makes schools feel good to be able to say to parents, hey, this might be a good resource for you. This could be helpful, especially if you're at capacity as a teacher at school. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, like Craig mentioned, and also on Facebook. I have a Renfrey Educational Consulting Facebook page. Awesome. We'll make sure the links to all of these are in the podcast notes below. April, thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure chatting to you, and I'm excited about sharing this out to the world. Thanks so much, Craig. Next week, join me for episode 88 of the Ignite EdTech podcast when I'm joined by Andy here. Want to win a prize? Enter now at bit.ly slash edtechwin, and we'll regularly announce winners of incredible prizes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and share the podcast with your PLN and colleagues. Please remember to spend a few minutes to rate this podcast too on your podcast channel of choice so we can reach even more educators and edtech enthusiasts globally. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode and be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.